When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Team of Our Lives, a brand new football podcast that celebrates the nostalgia of everything in the noughties about football around the world. Um, what a legendary time to be a football fan it was. Coming up throughout the series, we'll be cherishing the memories in weird transfers, club legends, club managers, the plucky underdog teams, and everything that was good about football in the 2000s. Um, joining me is my co-host, documentary filmmaker Harry Hansford. How are you, sir? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Um, any so any uh, specific or specific uh, kind of cherished memories of the 2000s? Oh, well, for me, uh, as a Portsmouth fan, the noughties was really the best and worst of times. Obviously, we got to see highs and lows of European football, FA Cup wins, followed by like administration, relegation. So to me, football was exciting then. Um, it's not so exciting now. Yeah, I bet, I bet. It's, 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 it's completely changed in many ways. We're quite lucky. Um, so yes, myself and Harry are both kind of 90s kids. Um, so we kind of grew up in the 2000s, which kind of made us fall in love with football and, and the beautiful game. So in this first episode, we'll be going through some of our favourite memories of the Premier League in the 2000s, as well as introducing some regular features 
which I hope you'll sure, surely come to love and uh, hopefully get involved with as we go on through the series. And of course, always, always text us in, write, write in and come up with your own suggestions. So what's coming up in the show this week? Well, first of all, we'll be going through our kind of memories of the uh, noughties, the highs, the lows, and what caught our interest and how football maybe changed a little bit. We'll then be playing a few games. Come dive with me. Be inviting some footballers over for dinner. But who? Uh, we'll be playing through the Martin Keown hole, uh, <laughs> which is a segment which we kind of identify talented prodigy players, but how on earth did they end up at such average clubs? Uh, we'll be having a look and inducting people into the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. Uh, all will be explained later on. And we'll also be coming up with our own Ultimate Eleven, as well as playing Deal or No Deal. Um, so let's start off, uh, I guess, with our kind of highlights of the noughties. Uh, so Harry, do you, want, do you want to kind of go first? Is there anything in the noughties between 2000 and 2010 that kind of uh, piques your interest? Yeah, okay. So uh, I think the first big football memory I, I have is the uh, the Chelsea takeover. And, yeah, uh, definitely. All of a sudden, seeing lots of people wearing Chelsea shirts that pro- possibly weren't wearing Chelsea shirts beforehand. And obviously the nickname Chelsea, that's what really sort of sticks out to me <laughs> about that. Yeah, um, obviously the biggest thing as a Pompey fan is 2008, we won the FA Cup. Obviously, like, what, still one of the best days of my life. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, anything that sticks out to you? Uh, yeah, I was going to. I was going to mention the Abramovich kind of takeover as well because I think I'm not again. I'm a. I'm a okay, caveat this. I'm a Manchester United fan. Shoot me. Um, obviously, the noughties was a fantastic time to be a Man United fan. Um, off, off the back, you know, we kicked things off by winning the treble in the uh, previous uh, thousand years. Is that, is that the thing? No, it's not. Is it 1999? <laughs> there we are. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. You know. One thing that speaks out is that, from a Manchester United point of view, is uh, the rivalry of Arsenal, uh, the invincible Arsenal season in 2004. Uh, we didn't have a goalkeeper until Van der Sar came back, um, really. Uh, what else happened? Uh, Derby County only getting 11 points, uh, the lowest points total still to this day. I must, uh, what, how many points are West Brom on at the moment? They've got, they must have 11, surely. I'm sure it's more than 11. Pretty um, sure it's I can check. Um, My friend, man, kill me. Yeah, so the, yeah, yeah. As as you said, like Mourinho first coming into um, Chelsea as well was a, was a big thing because he was so, he was so different to anything else we'd seen. I'd imagine how like Arsene Wenger was in when he came into Arsenal in 1996. I imagine that's kind of he's our Arsene Wenger, I guess, of, of that era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Points, but Sheffield are only on eleven. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, so Port Portsmouth FA Cup, that's stuck in my mind because, as I said to you, I've said to you before, in the semi final, you had to beat Manchester United and you got a dodgy penalty by kicking Kushak, the goalkeeper, in the head. And uh, I think we had a disallowed goal at the other end like 30 seconds before. It was, um, it was just but... it was just meant to be, mate. We just, uh, <laughs> we that game, we cleared so many things off the line and then. Yeah, that penalty wasn't a penalty, but you know, it wasn't a penalty. It was it was assault. <laughs> Some sometimes you need a bit of luck. I'm surprised Thomas Kuschak still has a head. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah other, other things. I guess um, the Champions League final, the um, uh, miracle in Istanbul, um, just bizarre. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a game even now quite like that. A high-profile game, anyway. And occasionally you get. I suppose the one in recent memories when uh, West Ham came back against Tottenham for all in the, this Premier League season. But 
contextually, it means sod all, you know, because those teams are never going to get in a Champions League final again. Um, what else? What else? Uh, Eduardo De Silva getting uh, getting absolutely brutalised by was it Steven Taylor, oh. Birmingham City? Yeah, his leg just snapped in two. Oh, it was awful. And then Terrible, completely, yeah. com- completely just destroyed his career. He's never the same yeah. player. Um, what else? Arsenal made the Champions League final against Barcelona in 2006. Um, yeah, that was a weird final as well. Lehman got yeah. sent off in like the first 23 minutes or something. And then Almunia. So Campbell. So Campbell made his last appearance for Arsenal and then turned up at Fran Park a few weeks yeah. later. I'm gonna, I was going to get onto this, but we could get onto it now, I guess. He's, um, so, so, yeah, he, his last appearance for Arsenal turned up at Fratton Park. Do you know where he went after Portsmouth? Uh, Notts County? Notts County made one appearance because Notts County were briefly taken over by uh, billionaires who weren't billionaires. And do yeah. you know who he was the manager of Notts County? Yeah, I believe it's uh, Sven Goran Eriksson, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it was Sven Goran Eriksson. Yeah, and um, yeah, with Saul Campbell only made one appearance and then he went back to, I think he might have went back to Arsenal. I think, did he go Newcastle and then Arsenal? It might, yeah, it might, you might have got that right. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, yeah, so other things in the North Seas that keep me interested. Um, speaking of Newcastle, Newcastle getting relegated in 2009 oh, at the back end of the that's decade. That's a big story of the time as well because they're, I mean, they've got relegated since then and back up again, haven't they? But, that was the first time they'd been relegated from the Premier. And obviously they were not that long before that vying for the title. So. Yeah, exactly. I, I, felt, I felt the same way about um, kind of Aston Villa when they got relegated as well. Because like growing up, you, you kind of think of your mainstay Premier League clubs who just stay in the Premier League. You think in Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United, Spurs, um, Everton, um, and clubs like that. Aston Villa and Newcastle, two of those clubs. So for them to get relegated, that was kind of like a big turning point. And um, yeah. yeah, it was a bit weird. Uh, what else happened in the noughties? What else have got written down here? Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo being sold for the highest ever fee. Uh, 2009, he got sold, didn't they? So, yeah, uh, that was pretty hefty. Do 2002 World Cup as well? Bloody hell, remember that? Watching that at school? Oh, yeah, getting up, uh, yeah, getting up super early or being at school and having to watch it at, like Breakfast Club. <laughs> No, that's, that's exactly what happened to me. So I would have been in year six. I think I was in year six watching. The, they wheeled out the telly, and yeah. uh, everyone watched it. Uh, watched uh, David Seaman get lobbed by Ronaldinho. Um, yeah, I was I was sat there with a um, Brazil shirt underneath my England shirt, just in case England lost. <laughs> you, no, you weren't. <laughs> just that's to wind the other kids up. Like, Were you actually? Did you actually? Yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. hell, <laughs> Jesus Christ! But that for me, that was. Like, I, I remember the '98 World Cup. But I wasn't particularly invested yeah. in, obviously, the high-profile Owen goal and, and the Beckham uh, sending off. But the 2002 one I, like, was the first time I kind of got... Um, yeah. I wasn't not excited. Well, I was always excited about football, but I was, like, truly invested in it. Actually, like, I, I felt something in my heart. I was kind of like... Yeah. You know what I mean? I, and then and then moving on to that, the uh, Euros in 2004 as well. Um, wow. Which is... Win. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, so obviously, and spoiler alert to those of them that don't know, but Greece, <laughs> Greece ended up winning. Um, but well, what was... a better chance of Eurovision than Euros, but hey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what was spectacular about that is that I would have been at secondary school then, so, you know, kind of angry teenager. I was properly invested in the Euros, and it was kind of that golden generation. I know it's a bit cliche to say, but the golden generation of players... Uh, for, from an England point of view, and if you look look at the team we had, it was it was sensational. But then again, if you ever look at the Portugal 
side, uh, the France side, uh, the Italian side. They, they, they equally had better players and uh, they were going through their golden generations as well. Um, and it was very much the rivalry between Bruni and Ronaldo in that, in that quarterfinal where England got knocked out of penalties. And the wink. Exactly, oh. the wink. Oh, my God. I just remember Ronaldo being the most hated man in England for a good, like, six months. I mean, he was just so good in the Premier League that everyone in the press just had to accept, no, we can't hate him. He's too good to hate. But, yeah, he was just hated for... Definitely, definitely the most hated man in England for at least that a few weeks after that quarterfinal. Yeah, people, people absolutely hated him. You're quite right. And um, also interesting in that final was um, no quarterfinal, wasn't it? So yeah. So I, uh, what I was going to say was that I was so happy when Greece won. And what people forget as well is that Greece and Portugal were in the same uh, group in the group stages. Okay. And uh, Greece beat Portugal two one in the group stages. Oh, as well, so that. they've done done the uh, done the double over them. Uh, that was quite good. Um, one last thing I said: the beach ball incident with Darren Bent when he played for Sunderland against yes. Liverpool. I think they won the game two one, but Pepe Reina was it Pepe Reina goal? Pretty sure it was. But the confu- the confusion in his face was just like so absurd. Yeah. And what I re- I watched that game live, and I remember the beach ball in the area, and I just thought to myself. It'd be so funny if they hit the beach ball into the goal. <laughs> and then, like, it happened. And I just couldn't believe, like, I thought I'd done, like, some Yuri Geller shit where I could have, like, man- <laughs> ma- manifested something to happen. Um, but, yeah, it was great. Any- anything else from your point of view, like, highlights of the Norseys? I'm just trying to think. The Invincible season. Yeah. I mean, uh, I suppose there's a few big ones. Obviously, we had, at the tail end, we had the Manchester City takeover. What, uh, oh, yeah. obviously sort of echoes the beginning of the 2000s of the Chelsea takeover um, I mean for you that's, that must have been a bit of a hard one all of a sudden someone you would forgot about you don't care count as your rivals and now your rivals yeah sure. look, this is this is uh, specifically what we've chosen to do the noughties and not the 2010s yeah. uh, that's when it kicked in but they were didn't, they were taken over twice oh yes because they had the um, uh, the Thai the former Thai Prime Minister that's right, yeah. yeah. And Sven Gorn Eriksson was yeah. manager of them as well. So I've got, um, um, going on to the, the kind of thing we'll go over later on. Um, yeah, so yeah, um, Sven Gorn Eriksson was the manager. They brought in a few players and uh, yeah, all his funds got frozen and stuck in Thailand. Yes. So we couldn't, you couldn't, you know, so when the Abu Dhabi group came in a year, he was only, um, I think it was only, he was only there for a year. He was only chairman yeah, for a year. I, I, and then the Abu Dhabi group came in and got the got the club for a decent price. Yeah, for sure. And well, because uh, obviously, uh, I remember. Yeah, I remember when the Abu Dhabi group came in because that's when, rather than signing like under Sven Goran Eriksson, they were signing like better players for City, being like uh, Ben Jani. But then the Abu Dhabi group come in and go, oh, Robinho straight away, and like yeah. you notice there was definitely a difference between. The Thai Prime Minister and the Sheik. Definitely, sure. definitely. Ronaldinho takes and David Seaman's call off his line and Brazil take the lead. Um, Shall we go on to our first section, our first yep. segment, our new feature? Um, so this is Come Dive With Me. Uh, we're going to do this for the first kind of episode to kind of get a, get a taste of all kind of players uh, myself and Harry kind of would like to meet and have a meal with and who we think would kind of get along. 
Um, so much like the TV show, we've got free footballers coming over for dinner. We're going to cook them a meal, but who is coming over? Um, would you like to start, Mr. Harry Hansford? Yeah, okay. Uh, so first of all, I've got to go with Mr. Vavavoom himself, four-time Premier Golden Boot winner, Thierry Henry. Nice. And uh, I'm not not an Arsenal fan by any stretch of imagination, but obviously Henry did things that players today still wouldn't be able to do. Like, the man may be the biggest naughty icon, I believe. Um, and for me personally, I think I want him at dinner so I can just ask him about that time Arsenal beat Portsmouth 5-1 in the FA Cup and he came mm-hmm. back out the end of the game with a Pompey shirt on and clapped for Fratton Park, like Fratton End. Did he? Why, wanna... why? Why? Because we were losing 5-1 and all we would do was singing va-va-voom, va-va-voom, va-va-voom. Oh, right. <laughs> and, and when we scored for one goal, I think it was like literally in the 90th minute, we were like, we're going to win 6-5, 6-5. I think he was just like, oh, got to give it up to these fans. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was bad weather, everything. And he was just like, what are they, you know, out here? Still just partying when they're losing. What, what was your um on, on just on the topic? Did he I suppose like did he go to many games in the two thousands? Like yeah, so, yeah, so I was very lucky that my my dad's massive Pompey fan, massive. And um the first ever game I went to would have been we were in what then was the first division. And I'm fairly sure it was like a Tuesday, pissing down, and it was against Grimsby. And before that I'd sort of like had supported Liverpool because I liked Michael Owen. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure we lost to Grimsby raining. And for some reason, I decided, like, yeah, no, I'm going to support Portsmouth now. Um, yeah, probably still ruin that to this day, really. But uh, yeah, I got to go to many games. I saw a lot of lot of Premier League games, a lot of big players. I saw Ronaldo, you know, like I got I saw us beat Man United at Fratton Park. I saw like wonder goals by Matty Taylor. Yeah, so it's very lucky. Oh, Matty Taylor, what a, I forgot about that legend, unsung hero. <laughs> Did he score those two goals in the same year? Because I think he, he scored that one against Sunderland. But my favourite yeah, one believe- was the one against, was it against Everton, where he just like half volleyed yeah. it? Yeah, so I've got a great story about that, because uh, that was a game that my dad bought tickets uh, for, and uh, he, could, he couldn't come. So I took one of my friends from school, and we couldn't have been very old, but, you know, you're at, you're at a football ground, you think, you know, Whatever you think you know what you're talking about, he kicks that ball, and I turn to my friend, and, and I'm literally in the middle of saying, "Why the has he hit?" And then it goes <laughs> in, and we're just like, Ray! "But yeah, I was like about to completely write it off, and then obviously just go right in, and I'm right behind. I'm in the away end, basically. Like there's way fans, and some home fans here, and it's right behind the goal, so it's like couldn't have had a better view. And I was just like straight away, it's like, "Yeah, that's never good. Oh, bang! Yeah, it was incredible." That's mad. Yeah. Like, I, I, uh, I'll tell you about my first games in there when we go onto my dinner party. But uh, yeah, who, who are your other guests? Uh, so I'm going to have to take King Carnu again, not because of Arsenal, but because of what he did with Portsmouth, scoring that FA Cup goal. Got to find out how old he really is because I'm <laughs> sure no one still knows. So it's a great dinner subject. And then for my last guest, I thought. We just go with if Henri isn't the biggest icon, who possibly is, and it's got to be David Beckham, hasn't it? Every English schoolboy growing up, you know, that's who you idolised, wasn't it? Without a doubt, yeah, that's a good shout. You're making my my answers sound a bit shit now. 
Um, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's good. What, um, what, are you, what, are you, what are you making them? What are you making them? Oh, wow. I don't know how happy they'll be because uh, being vegan, I'm going to have to make some vegan food. <laughs> I oh, mean, God. I'm quite good at making some like mock meats. So maybe maybe we'll just go that route. We'll like, make like fake burgers or something. Give them a cheat day. Sorry. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Happy days. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll go on to my come dive with me special, I guess. Um, my first episode, or my, my first episode, my first uh, <laughs> guest is Robbie Keane. Oh, legend. Absolute legend. And there's a story behind this. I'd invite him around mainly just to thank him. Uh, he absolute, I think he's quite, I think he, he's not really talked about in the same vein as some like other strikers like Yakubu sure. and uh, Viduku and kind of strikers like that. He was so much better than them. He was just a step below the kind of like, I don't know, top tier yeah. strikers of, of, of the decade, I guess. But he was banging him in. Like he'd always have really, he'd always be top goal scorer up until like January. And then it was like always have a second, you know, the second half of the season wouldn't be as prolific. But when I was at school, we used to have a school fantasy league. And out of the thousand kids who went to my secondary school, only about 25 done it. And obviously I was one of those 25. But me and my best mate, Dan, it was always us who were neck and neck. Okay. And the one time I actually overtook him and was first for about a month or two was because I had Robbie Keane in the side and he just went on like a goal scoring run, just absolutely netting them past absolutely everyone. Um, so that's my first guest. My second guest, for only because I love him, and that'd be Ryan Giggs. He's just the, he's the most decorated British player, um, yeah, sure. and he's consistent. In I just like going, I'm going to break a few rules and go into the 2010s just for a second, um, just because even back in even in like these last season in 2013, 14, whatever it was. He was still consistently good. Like he obviously lost his pace, but his touch, his vision, and his passing was, you know, top notch. It yeah, was uh, sure. absolutely sensational. Um, and my final guess would probably be. Hold on, there. Hold on a minute, Joey Barton. Oh, okay. Because he's the probably of of the era and of the time, he was probably one of the most controversial players because he was just constantly getting in fights. And I think if the, if the meal isn't going well, um, you know, you kind of want someone to rough things up a bit. I think Joey Barton would be your man. You're going to get Joey Barton to rough up Brian Giggs at your party? Is that what you're saying? Um, <laughs> just, I think he's there for like conversation because like, I think he'd like spark a few um, interesting topics. That's the only reason he's there. He's not there because he was one of the best, one of my favourite players, not at all. I like, I, I like the guy, but um, I think he's there just for conversation. Yeah. Um, I've got, but, I've got a, one of those strange uh, sort of feelings to Joe Barton and it's not really to do with his playing days it's mainly to do with his managing because obviously until recently he was managing Fleetwood in, a, in the same league as Portsmouth and uh, he's not said too many nice things about us so <laughs> because of that uh, I'm, not, I'm not too happy with him <laughs> he's not said too many nice things about anyone to be fair but, um... well no I think that's his, that's his thing isn't it so odd when he moved to uh, he moved to Marseille briefly, didn't he? Yeah, it's <laughs> a weird move. Anyway, that's I don't know. I made a YouTube video on like the greatest players to be relegated, and you, you forget in twenty thirteen or twenty eleven, QPR got relegated twice. Some of the players who got relegated for that QPR side were insane. No, I bet. 
Yeah. Insane. Anyway, that's a topic for another day, perhaps. Um, but yeah, my, my games I went to in the noughties, my first ever, if you can guess the first match I went to, Premier League match, I'll give you 50 quid. Have a guess. Um, I, oh, I'm trying to think who, who would have been close to you. Um, did you travel far? Is it Manchester? Yeah. Actual? Yeah. So for is, those that are listening, it, I'm in Devon. So is it Manchester United? Is it, is it first Portsmouth? No, that would have been a great story to tell you. You probably won't get it. Now, for reasons I still don't know to this day, but my first Premier League game I went to, I, my stepdad took me to go and watch Aston Villa against West Ham. Oh, OK. Which is odd. Um, in 2002. Now, at the time, I just thought, oh, we're going to a mid-level Premier League game. But as you said, being from Devon, I don't get much opportunity to go to many games or didn't at the time. Um, you know. But playing for Aston Villa was Peter Schmeichel, who was my hero. Um, growing up, forgot he went there just after Manchester City. Paul Merson was playing for Aston Villa. They had oh, a fucking good yes. squad. And I saw Paolo Di Canio score a goal, uh, who is obviously a legend of the uh, of the 2000s. One of the only players to... <laughs> he was obviously a cheeky bastard and he tried and pushed the boundaries. He pushed over a referee and got sent off. In the same year, he won the FIFA Fair Play uh, Player of the Year <laughs> award. For uh, you know, there's a point when I can't remember who it was, but one of the a defender got injured and he just caught the ball and uh, told oh, the yeah. um, it was an infamous clip where he, he catches the ball in the middle yeah. of the game and he tells the uh, medical team to get on the pitch and take care of this guy for the opposite team. But it's, yeah. I just found that funny in the, in the same year he also pushed over a ref like to Canio. He also never played for Italy, never got a camp. Insane, the man was, I mean. He might be also a little bit crazy, actually, but talented footballer. Like very few footballers, you say, have an impact on English football. Uh, like, yeah, De Canio is one of those first real foreign imports that to really make that like splash, I believe. Yeah, he he was um, he was at Celtic at the same time as uh, Henrik Larsson, and um, you know when he was first coming through and. It was Sheffield Wednesday when they had a good squad. Um, yeah, absolutely prolific player. Other games, my first Manchester United game was against uh, Newcastle, uh, ended 0 0. So, can you imagine driving all that way from Devon? <laughs> six hours up, six hours down, and it's fucking 0 0. But um, the worst thing was that Rudy Van Yeah. Oh, there's, there's, <laughs> there's reasons behind that. Um, I'll get into that in a second. But um, yeah, so, bloody hell. Uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy had a goal disallowed. Uh, Alan Shearer got sent off. But what was funny is that um, when we were driving up to Old Trafford, we accidentally drove in the players' entrance oh, no. somehow in our people because we were in a people carrier. We're in a black people carrier, so they must have thought it was like a, one of these kind of like you know Addison Lee or you know the chauffeuring cars. Yeah, for sure. And um, we reversed and hit the bumper of this BMW behind us. And who is in that BMW? Diego Forlan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could have been Wes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it could have been Wes. Uh, it could have been Alex Ferguson. Yeah, but um, yeah, Diego Forlan. So, claim to fame there. Yeah, so well, just to get this out there in the first episode, the reasons I don't support Exeter City is because obviously in Devon, we've never had a... I think Plymouth is the largest, obviously our most successful team. Uh, and the, it's the largest city in the UK uh, not to have been in the top flight. Um, and they've had some 
great players. The, the reason I'm not an Exeter City slash Talkie United fan, I guess, is I was obviously born in Exeter. And, you know, football in Devon has never really kind of taken off. It's more of a rugby place. So for Exeter Chiefs are my, are my kind of rugby team. But the first games I ever went to for football were Plymouth Argyle. So I've got a strong affiliation with Plymouth. Um, and, you know, I kind of always go to those when they're in the championship in the late noughties. And nearly under Ian Holloway, nearly nearly made it to the playoffs to get promoted into the Premier League. One day. Um, yeah, that's that's why because I, I, I went to those games, I couldn't suddenly then be an Exeter City fan. You know what I mean? Because I had so yeah. much affiliation with Plymouth and going to those games and seeing the likes of like a young Yannick Balassi, Jason Punchin, uh, Akos Bozanski, uh, Jamie Mackey, all these kind of players who thrived in the Championship and then went to lower leagues and lower teams in the Premier League. Uh, but then growing up in the nineties, it's my stepdad who got me into football, and he wouldn't shut up about. George Best, Dennis Law, these players in the 60s, Bobby Charlton, these players in the 60s and 70s. And then his favourite player was Cantona. And then when I was growing up, it was kind of obviously the class of 92. And when I saw Ryan Giggs kind of score that goal in the FA Cup final replay against Arsenal, where he just dodged for everyone, it made me feel something, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. moments have, like that, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And then it's having that stepdad, he wouldn't shut up about United and the, and the legacy yeah. of United. And that I wasn't really, you know, so it's between them and Plymouth who I kind of, the kind of only two teams I support. And I think you can do that in the modern world. It's not frowned upon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Most of our Man United fans are in China. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Don't have a yeah. go at me. Anyway, anyway. Now we've caveated that. Let's move on, shall we? Steps past Toure, but not past Zambrotta. Given straight to Paul Scholes! What about that? What about that? Shall we go on to uh, our segments? This segment is called Through the Keown Hole in honour of Martin Keown uh, for no particular reason, but it just is. So in this segment, um, we will go through some players who we feel are world-class but ended up at a mediocre club or ended up, or just a player you think of who, like, how the fuck did they end up at that club? They should be playing for Real Madrid, Inter Milan, whoever it was at the time, Arsenal. Um, so... Yeah, I've got a few players, but uh, Harry, do you want to start off with a player that caught your eye and how they ended up where they did? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've gone for the man so good, they named him twice. That's JJ Okocha. Um, I think the main reason is you look at the previous clubs he went to before we ended up at the club in question being Bolton Wanderers. Uh, it's that, you know, he started out in Germany, made his way up to like Frankfurt, you know, sort of decent level, goes to Paris Saint-Germain, who aren't the PSG we know today, but obviously still the best team in France at the time. And he went for the fee of £14 million back in 1998. Obviously, it's a huge amount of money. Um, Fast forward to 2002 uh, and arrived at the Reebok, as it was known, on a free. Um, I think uh, we spoke about this uh, before, where... His teammate at, at PSG um, was a young Ronaldinho. And according to some, he, JJ was, you know, considered <laughs> better uh, than Ronaldinho at that time. But obviously PSG thought they wanted to build around the younger guy and JJ was left to find his way to Bolton. Um, there must have been other clubs in for him, though. I don't understand. Oh, like, were they sure, offering him more money? I don't. I don't understand. Um, for those, I was pointing at my Grêmio shirt because that's where Ronaldinho was before Paris Saint Germain. Um, 
but yeah, as a player, he was one of the most exciting to watch. And that's why I love Naughty's football as opposed to football now. Players were sometimes given like an individuality and a personality. Like now, you've got very strict managers and you kind of put a foot out of line, you're getting dropped. But back yeah. then, you had kind of like flair players who were just given that free role to kind of do what they want. I was, you know, instantly I think of like Adele Tarrat at um, QPR. He was just tearing up the championship, or um, yeah. you know, obviously Ronaldinho and, uh, and JJ Ocotra and Kaká and amongst others. They were kind of just yeah, sure. left alone, yeah. and you don't get like when you watch football now and you watch match today, it's you just see the same stuff. You don't see anything exciting. Yeah. Even Thierry Henry done things, you know, or Bergkamp yeah. was classically. Wow. You know, you'd, you'd yeah. see a you'd see a player like that do something you've never seen before, and that's why people love football. And we. It's the same with pop music, I guess. Like we get into a period now where pop music is quite generic, and you know a lot of it sounds the same as in the charts. It's the same with football. A lot of it is just the same. In the noughties, it was so much more diverse across the leagues and across the world. Um, I think that's it's why we started this podcast. Yeah, I think there's no doubt that footballers today probably are, on the whole, better. Like uh, they probably are, like because because they're products of these. uh, academies they probably are like more skill like skillful weather but they have to play a certain way in a certain ethos um and yeah as you say that, that individual this just doesn't get to be shown there at all like uh you just i just remember obviously watching like bolton who played this awful long ball game yet jj would get the ball and just do these magical things with his feet it's a bit like watching Kanu when he played for Portsmouth or West Brom. You like we play these awful systems, yet you have a player who, when they get the ball, you just you just don't know what's going to happen next. And yeah, I think you're right. Like especially if it, like it always sort of happened to these like smaller teams. You have this one sort of talisman player that could create magic, and you don't sort of have that anymore. I don't know if that's if it is because of the academy system. I don't know if it's because they all want to play a certain style now. I, I'm not sure what it is, but you just don't seem to have those. I think it's because. I think uh, Mourinho has a part in it as well because he's destroyed like so many players' careers just by, you know, if you don't do it, as I say, I'm dropping you and then they like end up at a weird club. Um, you know, Ika Casillas at Real Madrid is one that stands out when Mourinho is there, just dropped him. Yeah. And, like, he never recovered from that, really. Uh, but yeah, Okacha, what a fucking player, man. You know, like, he, he, Bolton had a quite a good squad at that time as well. You know, yeah. um, who else did they have? I, they had Ivan Campo. He was a Real Madrid, <laughs> yeah. Real Madrid player with weird hair. Henrik uh, Pedersen, who else do they have? Who's they got? Uh, you see Jaskalainen, good keeper. Gary Speed was there at the time. Yeah, Gary Speed. Ricardo yeah. Vazte, remember him? Mm. Big Sam knew how to uh, buy players. Yeah, yeah he sure. had his way, didn't he? Had his way about him. Um, shall I go on to some players? Yeah. So the aforementioned, you mentioned him earlier when we talked about Man City, but I was going to mention Rubinho, like how on earth he ended up at Man City. Obviously, he was That's the first... Right, yeah. He was, um, you know, he was signed, like the Abu Dhabi group signed him the day they, they got the club. Okay. On the same day, the Abu Dhabi group yeah. took over, Robinho like... signed. And it was like the last minute of transfer deadline day, which is like, yeah. for me, that's the worst period to take over a club, surely. Yeah. Um, sure. Pretty weird. But he was also the British transfer record for a transfer fee, 32.5 yeah. million. If you think about that now, like... That's like a regular... Enough, that's... Well, Gilfie Sigurdsson went to Everton for like nearly 50, didn't he? Right. Yeah. But what, what, what struck me about this deal in particular is because Rubinho came off the back of being one of the most exciting young prospects in at Real Madrid. Yeah. He didn't actually score as many goals for them as you might think. I think he only got like 67 goals for 
the Galactico team, um, but obviously fell out with uh, Florentino Perez on the board. But it was a bit of an odd move. And allegedly, he thought he was joining Manchester United. <laughs> I don't know how true that is. Yeah. I, I seem to remember, and I might be completely wrong, I seem to remember during that summer, Robinho was going to Chelsea. Yeah, there was... A... All anyone would talk about was Robinho's going to Chelsea. And I seem, I seem to have this memory, it could be completely wrong, of a Chelsea fan on Sky Sports News with a shirt, with Robinho on the back, and he's like, no, he's coming, he's definitely coming. Look, I've spent, you know, however much it is per letter to get Robinho printed on the shirt. And then he turns up at Manchester City. It wasn't just that fan. It was the um, it was the Chelsea club shop that started printing Robinho shirts. Oh, that's crazy. That's mad. You just you wouldn't they, they wouldn't do that today. Oh, I mean, the no. equivalent today would be they announce it on Twitter, I suppose. Yeah, he he was he he had he done all right at Man City. Like you got to for maybe younger listeners and viewers, Man City at the time were not a big club at all. Um, and they didn't have the money they had. So Robinho going to them would be like Neymar going to Southampton today. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> that's that's how kind of absurd it was. Um, another one we spoke about earlier before the pod, I guess, was Sol Campbell. Oh. I was going to mention um, he moved to Notts County after Portsmouth, was it? No, after Arsenal. So no, was it no, with Portsmouth it was... after the Champions League final? Yeah, Portsmouth after Arsenal, then Notts County, I believe. And Notts County were in League Two at the time. So it's going from Premier League club to uh, League Two club. So Notts County were briefly taken over <laughs> by billionaires who were lying and weren't billionaires. And uh, they um, also brought in Spaniel and Eriksson to manage them. And they brought in uh, Casper Schmeichel was the goalkeeper. Yes. Yes, Casper Schmeichel. Casper Schmeichel who, was the goalkeeper. He was an up-and-coming goalkeeper then. And, uh, but still considered way too good for League Two. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. You think he was on loan? He might be on loan from Man City. Yeah. Um, I think Sven would have been at Man City before we went to Notts County. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Can't remember. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, Saul Campbell, another another player, way too good to go to a mediocre club like that. Um, who else? Andy Cole. Um, so, off the back of winning a still record treble with Manchester United. He actually moved to. Do you want to guess where he moved to? Did he go straight to Portsmouth, or did he go somewhere in between? No, he went to three clubs before he went to Portsmouth. Okay. Um, he went to Blackburn Rovers. Okay. Also with Dwight York, they both went there. Um, and then, and Blackburn at the time were crap. They weren't good. It was before Mark Hughes uh, was managing them. Um, you know, they, they were really rubbish. They didn't really have any good players. This is like. 2001, um, they weren't that good at all. Uh, then he moved to Fulham briefly. Then he moved to Manchester City, and kind of that's why he's not as respected as he should be at Manchester United. Yeah. Um, he, and he's not spoken about in like the same light as Henri's the that this uh, but perhaps he should be because he was that yeah. before he was at United. He was at Newcastle and he was absolutely ripping up there as well. Yeah. Um, and then after Man City, he went to Portsmouth. Then he had a spell at Birmingham City, Sunderland. Uh, so he also fucked off the Newcastle fans um, and then he was at Burnley and then he was at Nottingham Forest where he, where he retired so he went to all these mid-table mediocre clubs and just I don't know I think if he, he could have probably settled at like a Everton or a club like that and carried on scoring 
you know, a fair amount of goals. He's done all right at Man City and uh, and Blackburn. They still scored a fair few goals for them, but nowhere near, you know, the 20, 30 a season he was getting at United. I remember when he did come to Portsmouth, it was like he mainly came on for 10 minutes at a time. He was definitely winding down his career, but still obviously a fox in a box, if you like for cliche, a poacher. Like if if you if a ball went into that nine yard box and he was anywhere near it, yeah, you had a good chance of it still going in. Like, yeah, it's a shame he kind of he kind of like lost all his pace. I suppose once he win the treble, it's always going to be downhill from there. But he was he I think he was he was too good to play for Blackburn and Fulham. Certainly, um, he was still in his in his relative prime, I guess. And the last player for through the Martin McKeown hole is uh, none other than 90s legend but he was still playing in the in the 2000s Paul Gascoigne oh. <laughs> okay <laughs> do you know where know I'm going with this going. I know this is going yeah uh, so he obviously he fell off the edge of a cliff pretty much after 1998 and he wasn't selected for the Glenn Hoddle treated him like absolute crap and didn't select him for the 98 World Cup squad and then uh, in 2002 ended up in League One with Burnley. Oh. <laughs> what a fall from grace. And then in 2004, signed for League Two side, Boston United. <laughs> oh, bless him. I mean, it's just a case of, he should have been retired at that point, right? <laughs> you know? Um... Uh, he, was in, he was 36, I think. Yeah, maybe. Oh, okay, so, yeah. I just feel like, with with Gazer, it's, it's always just a case of demons, isn't it? <laughs> if uh, if he was sober and mentally well, then he could have carried on playing at the highest levels for a long time, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I like to think that um, when they said, oh, do you want to come and play for Boston? He thought he was going to America. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, he thought, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, nice little holiday. <laughs> Oh, dear, dear, dear Lord. Uh, anyway, let's move on then. That, anyway, that was through the Martin Keyhole. So we're doing that every week. Um, we're looking at players who are just far too good to be at the clubs they ended up at. Trezeguet! France have done it! It's a golden goal and a magical night. Trezeguet! Uh, so moving on, let's go on to the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. Uh, this is going to be a new weekly feature in this inaugural episodes and the first ever episode the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame is where we nominate and induct players who have seen that to have lucked their way into the Premier League so in essence players who don't deserve to have got the praise they received and don't deserve in our opinion to have made it to the Premier League have you ever seen a player and thought how the hell have they made it i.e. Robbie Savage which is why the uh, segment is kind of uh, named after our Lord Saviour Savage himself who in my memory was awful. He was absolutely awful. As a pundit, I actually quite like him, funnily enough, and there's a certain level of respect. But as a player, I remember him as being very clumsy and, you know, he probably oh. more suited to the Championship slash League One. What, what are yeah. your memories of uh, Robbie, Robbie Savage? Obviously, you've got yeah. your own player you're inducting this week, but uh, yeah. my choice. Yeah, with Robbie, I, I, my memory is always with him being dirty. And that's what I remember, like, very much specifically... Anytime he we, he was at Fran Park, or anytime on TV, you just hear like chants of "you you dirty bastard," pretty much just like unanimously just followed him around wherever he went. Um, I do want to point out that he's still obviously 
way more talented than probably either of us ever. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Football, <laughs> but like, yeah, I know, definitely, just not to, in today's world. He, he would not be playing at Premier League side. No, hundred percent. I think um, the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame is kind of, is a bit, bit of a gimmick, a bit turn in cheek. In case he ever listens yeah. to this, imagine that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. I, I think the trouble with the issue is is that obviously he's, he's on TV a lot. He's on the Match of the Day or BT Sport or Sky or whatever. So if you were a younger viewer and you don't remember him as a as a yeah, as a player, you see him as a pundit thinking, oh, he must have been good. Yeah. No, he was. He was so awful to watch, and he injured so many like decent players that would then fuck up yeah. your team season. Um, as a player, I have memories of him. He was extremely clumsy. I can't yeah. go through my notes here. He just didn't look confident on the ball. I just, I think the only reason he got where he did was because he he started out his youth career at Manchester United. And if you've seen the class of two, uh, class of ninety two, <laughs> the class of two, the worst. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like if you've seen it, if you've seen the class of ninety two, um, <laughs> the documentary, he, he makes an appearance in that. Um, but he started off Manchester United. And he didn't actually make any senior appearances for them. He then went to play for. St- um, where did he go? Leicester, something like that. Um, yeah, he was a regular with Leicester, Birmingham, and Blackburn. So those are the clubs he kind of done. He was kind of in the first team with. So he's kind of you know got them promoted. He actually won the League Cup, with Leicester. Funny enough. But he was, as you said, won any cups. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's actually won. Them. He was he played in two League Cup finals and won one of them. Um, but in the League Cup final in question was against Tottenham Hotspur in 1999, and he made such a bad tackle on just at Edinburgh that he had to pretend that he also got hit in the head and uh, and then he got Justin Edinburgh sent off, even though he was the one that made, made the tackle. Sounds about right. In a, in a League Cup final. And uh, a lot of people go, oh, all these, all these foreign players diving all the time. No, it was Robbie Savage who brought that to the game. It wasn't like, I don't know, did it, Didier Drogba used to get a lot of stick for diving. Robbie yeah. Savage would do it all the time. And uh, yeah, was, he was renowned for it, absolutely renowned. Um, what else have we got? As you're saying, he was a dirty, dirty player. At one time in Premier League history, he was a Premier League player with the most yellow cards. Okay. He had 89, 89 yellow cards, which is a horrific amount. Um, what else happened? Yeah, a, a referee accidentally knocked him out while on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, I remember. And I've, I've met that referee. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I shook him by the hand personally and bowed down to him. You legend, sir. Even as a pundit, you're not he's a referee for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, no, because you've got to be a bad player to get into the into the Hall of Fame. He, he's a good referee. We need the um, well, you go to Pierre, different... we need the Pierre Luigi Colina Hall of Fame. <laughs> he, he can get into that. Um, but he, he not only is he clumsy as a player, but he's clumsy in real life. When he was he was um, commentating on a Man City game, no, or um, Aston Villa game, and Stylian Petrov like hit a ball, which was a clearance, and it like hit Robbie Savage in the face. who was commentating on the game and like broke his nose. <laughs> it was, it was so ridiculous. It. I don't know yeah. if it's on YouTube or something. Uh, he was also fined ten thousand pounds for using the referee's bathroom at half time, and apparently. Not flushing the toilet, which is a bit of a weird. <laughs> <He just left>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, just left a blower for him. Apparently, yeah. And uh, so when Roy Keane, it's another stat I've found, is that when Roy Keane um, was managing Sunderland and he obviously um, was trying to stop them from getting relegated, 
Robbie Savage yeah. was one of the players he wanted to sign just to be, because like Roy Keane, he was a bit dirty himself and he just wanted that player to be a nuisance and kind of like halt play when it needed to. Um, and he rang up Robbie Phone's mobile phone to try and sign him or at least speak to him. And he went straight to voicemail. And apparently on the voicemail, it was Robbie Savage voicemail was just him going, what's up? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and then Roy Keane said, fuck am I signing you? Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I- I can I can see what I can see most play most managers probably wanted Robbie Savage type of player for that. Uh, so, so someone who's not scared to put a challenge in, even if it is going to be clumsy. And I can see Roy Keane loving that, but also watching Roy Keane on on TV or seeing him as a manager or as a player, you, I can definitely see why none. Yeah, not putting up any silly things like having your voicemail <laughs> go to the classic. What's that? Exactly. Yeah, and uh, he was also he was also part of the Derby County team that got the lowest ever points total. That's, um, that's and he was not only part. Of, picture him in. Yeah, he's not no, only was he part of that team. Not only was he part of that team, he was the captain. Oh, there you go. That shows <laughs> that shows why he is the. The namesake. Anyway, I think the reason why, the, yeah, the reason I nominated Robbie Savage and why the segment is going to be called the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame is just because I don't want younger people getting a mixed up with some sort of good player. He was not. He was awful. <laughs> I saw him play uh, for Derby County against Plymouth and the ball boy threw a ball at his head and he pretended to fall over. Like that scum, absolute scum. <laughs> anyway, oh. that's enough slugging off, uh, Mr. Savage. Uh, In some ways, you can't help but. Love him, though. Again, it's someone with personality, isn't it? As I said, as, as a pundit, I quite like him. But um, as a player, it was just scum. Um, who are you nominating into the Robbie Savage Hall right. of Fame? So I'm going on this idea of what I remember about him being dirty. And for that, I've gone for uh, Ben Thatcher. Oh, Do you remember yeah. Ben Thatcher? You played for Man so, City? Yeah. So he played, yeah. he played in the Premier League between... 97 and 2007. So that's 10 years in the Premier League for a player, I think, who are explain why, I think, is just not Premier League quality. So within that 10 years, he played for five clubs, three of which were relegated. <laughs> was already not a great sign. Uh, the two other teams, uh, one, one he failed at, and the other one he uh, was Man City, where he's most famous for... Uh, violently elbowing Pedro Mendes in the face and oh, yeah, basically have a seizure on a pitch. So I don't think his legacy is great anyway. But then just in sort of researching him, I realised he made 191 Premier League appearances and scored a total of zero goals. And was, I mean, he, was he a left As back? a midfielder. As a midfielder, midfielder okay. that's not great. <laughs> like, I get some midfielders aren't goal scoring, but Zero goals in his whole career, he scored two goals, and both of which were outside for the Premier League. <laughs> so, um, two goals, yeah. I thought I'd just run through the five clubs uh, he played for. So, obviously, you said Man City. Do you, mem- do you remember any others he played for? Uh, if I'm honest, no, but if the Premier League teams, so I imagine he, uh, he must have played for like West Brom. All right, so he started out. Uh, in the Premier League with the crazy gang at Wimbledon. 
Really? Then was releg- yeah, then was relegated with them in 97, right? Or no, in like 2000 maybe. Uh, I can't remember the top of my head. And then from there, he went to Tottenham, just failed. Just made what like a handful of appearances. It, it would have been um, um, would have been Alan Sugar that signed him. Yeah, yeah. Most <laughs> likely, yeah, that time period for sure. Um, from there, he went on to Leicester who aren't the Leicester we know today, where, you know, a yo-yo team at, at best. Um, and of course there, he was relegated. From there, he went to Manchester City, where he's probably most famous, uh, probably had his best spell, but at the same time, his most notorious spell with the, I think it was a five-match ban for elbowing, elbowing Mendes in the face. Um, and then I'm pretty sure shortly after that, they got rid of him because it just wasn't wasn't a lot of good press around him. And he went to Charlton Athletic where he was relegated from the Premier League for the last time and thankfully never made it back. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I'm a little bit biased because Mendes was a Portsmouth player at the time. But uh, I just looking into it and realising 10 years, five clubs, zero goals, I think just sums him up as... Uh... Not quite good enough for the Premier League, really. Yeah, forgettable season. Forgettable season. That's mad. That's mad. Man City were a weird club back in those days as well. I remember oh, when um, remember Emil Wimpenza. Yes. Do you remember where he went after Man City? Yeah. It was yeah. It wasn't well, well shouldn't be remembered. <laughs> it was Plymouth Argyle. <laughs> he, went from, he went from Man City to Plymouth. Was, oh, no. sorry, I thought you were saying. Do you remember when he went to Man City? Man oh, no. City. Well, oh, he went no one, no one remembers him at Man City. He was non-existent, but he was still, he was still like the Belgian number one striker. It was, it was That's crazy. Bloody I know hard. as well that that same sort of time period as Thatcher was. Your friend Jerry Barton was knocking around Man City. Yeah, yeah. So you can he tell was, the sort of quality of like they were wanting that sort of a hard sort of. Dirty players, I guess. If you've got your Thatcher, you got Barton. Yeah, you had um, Richard Dunn as well. He was a bit of a. Oh, Richard Dunn. Nadam, Nadam Amua. Um, to be fair, Sean Mike Phillips. I, he was such a good player back in those days as well. He scored so yeah. many fantastic. Like when we speak about individual, we were saying earlier about individual players with flair. He and that Man City side uh, yeah. would score like he would chip the keeper like. So often, score oh, fantastic volleys, go on whizzing runs. He was he was uh, quite delightful to watch. Even as a Man United that, fan, I'd be like, "Well, yeah. that was pretty good." To be fair, that first like season uh, when he just like broke onto the scene, you you honestly thought, "Oh, he's going to be like his uh, father." You know, you honestly thought like, "All right, his career is going to play out like Ian Wright, and he's going to be around for years to come playing for England." But I mean, it never quite happened, unfortunately. But no, I mean, he was he good was... enough. That he made he made a big money move to Chelsea. Yeah, he, was, he still won the Premier League and like FA Cups and stuff for Chelsea. And yeah, um, yeah he was on the, he was on the bench quite a lot of the time at World Cups and stuff. He, yeah, he just, I think he just lost interest in football. That's what that's what it looked like when he moved to QPR afterwards. It just looked like he didn't really care. Um, but at his at, in his prime, it was sensational. Do you know much about the career of his brother Bradley? Oh yeah, he was a, he was a Plymouth Argyle's all time top goal scorer at one point. Ah, because it's Plymouth. I think I think he went to Southampton for a while, and then 
I, I'm not sure if he's still playing, but up until recently, he was still playing in MLS and is like one of the top all-time top goal scorers of MLS. I think for new, when he was in New York Rebels, he was he certainly he was their top. He was like the most prolific player in, in the MLS yeah. for a good few years. Just odd. Yeah, it's just because if he stayed here, he probably would you know would have been in the lower league still. I'd imagine. So, oh, 100 without a doubt, without a shadow. There we are. Anyway, so that is it for the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame until next week or whenever we return uh, with two more players who will be inducted into the Hall of Fame and then we'll end up with a whole museum full. But without further ado, it's time to move on to Deal or No Deal. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, this is the section of the show where I'm going to give Harry and he's going to give me Five transfers throughout the noughties and the 2000s. And we have to simply just guess if they're true or false. Well, hopefully not guess. Hopefully, educately work them out. Um, <laughs> who wants to go first? Do you want to go uh, first? I'll, I'll, I'll go first because uh, I've done something a little bit different here. Um, so if you can cast your mind back to when uh, Chris Coleman was sacked from Fulham, oh, no. Laurie Sanchez had taken over and... Uh, He'd had to leave the Northern Ireland international job to take over at Fulham. So he made a bunch of signings, all Northern Ireland internationals. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> so I want you to know, I want you to tell me if you can work out which ones of these Northern Ireland internationals truly went to Fulham and which ones didn't. So all five um, of them are Northern Ireland internationals yeah. who went to Fulham. Okay. Yeah. Under Laura. <laughs> Possibly until Laurie Sanchez possibly went to Fulham. See, I, so I used to go to quite a few. Um, I used to go to quite a few Fulham games when we were at uni. But um, in fact, I went with you to one. Yeah, yeah, we went together. To we saw that, David, saw that David Louise wanted to go. Yes. Um, so, start off with Northern Ireland legend David Healy, and I've 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 wrote down. The club that he possibly came from and the fee, if that helps. So I've, I've yeah. said uh, the David Healy from Leeds to Fulham and it was 1.5 million. Do you think that's a deal or no deal? Um, didn't David Healy like play in Japan for quite a while when he was like really successful there? Um, Maybe. I'm not sure on that. David Healy, he definitely played for a few clubs in the Prem. I think he played for Sunderland. Do I think David Healy went? I'm going to go... I'm gonna go Deal. Yes, it is a deal. And for 1.5 million, probably was one of the better deals <laughs> that <Sanchez laughs> yeah. made that year. But okay, so let's move on. So I've gone for Chris Brunt, Sheffield Wednesday to Fulham for 3 million. Sheffield Wednesday to Fulham. I'm pretty sure Chris Brunt played for West Brom for like the majority of the noise. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say no deal. Yeah, no, it is no deal because he went to West Brom from yes. Sheffield Wednesday for three million. Nice. Right. We're going for he's the fellow Chris. Chris, I think it's he's pronounced it Bard. Played for Southampton. Did he go to Fulham for three million? Uh, is it Chris Baird, the left back? Chris Baird, yes. Yeah, he definitely played for Fulham. Did he go from Southampton? We've got to say deal. It is a deal. He went Southampton, Fulham, three million. Was he in Northern Irish? Was he? Yeah, Northern Irish he, International. He wasn't a bad player. And then I've got two more for you. 
So we'll go with it's Gareth McCurdy from Lincoln City to Fulham on a free. Um, I think this might be a bit of a, a one way you expect me to say no, and it might be. Woods, and the fact you said on a free, it must be true. It's got to be true. Deal. It's not true. He went to Leicester. Oh, did he? Oh, no. He also joined, joined uh, Brunt at West Brom not long after. So then I've got one more for you, and it's this team that somehow keeps going up today. Uh, Stephen Davies from Aston Villa. Did he go to Fulham for four million? Um, I'm pretty sure he did play for Fulham at some point. So uh, deal. Yeah, it's a deal. So there you go. If we work, if we work that out for for three deals we had, that's, that's over eight and a half million on Northern Irish talent for the pre- for a Premier League side. Jesus and that, Christ! And that's not all the Northern Irish talent he signed either. He signed at least one more, I believe, if not more. Jesus Christ, bloody hell. Well, I've got <laughs> four imagine, out of five. I'll take that. Yeah, not bad at all. As you can imagine, yeah, Laurie Sanchez didn't last long. <laughs> no, he, he, he was part of the um, crazy gang, Wimbledon. He won the FA Cup with them. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's had a bit of a weird career. Right, are you ready for your uh, five boxes to be open? Um, I've not done what you've done. I've just gone for random kind of uh, prominent players throughout the noughties. Uh, so can you beat four out of five more importantly Probably not <laughs> how could yeah, I, I, I reckon you definitely get I don't know it's, it could be level pegging so number one is the player is Dwight York yep. we already mentioned earlier he used to play for Blackburn but when did he go after Blackburn did he go to Birmingham City for 250,000 true or false or deal or no deal sorry I definitely remember him wearing a bone shirt, I'm sure. Uh, I'm going to go as a deal. Correct. Yeah. Nice. Wow. I didn't expect you to get that. Blue with the white stripe in the middle. Yeah, I had, I had no idea. I just by chance looked it up and uh, yeah, completely forgot. I remember him playing for Sunderland. Um, under, yeah, we played for Sunderland under under um, bloody Roy Keane in Temple of Steel. Number two. One of the uh, funniest players of the noughties, Jimmy Bullard, for a soccer hand. Did he move from West Ham to Peterborough United for 180,000? Ooh. So this is right at the start of the noughties. He was a youth player at West Ham. Yeah, I'm going to go... This might be a trick where it's not Peterborough, it's somebody else... But at the same sort of level. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a deal. Correct again. Bloody hell, you're doing really well. Two out of two. That's fine. How on earth did you get that? It's not... This is such a random club that had to be, right? <laughs> mm, yeah, under what's his name? Fucking what's the Went to chairman the called? Barry Fry. Yes, Barry Fry. The posh. The posh. Um, so we mentioned earlier we went to a uh, Fulham Chelsea game, but did this Fulham player move to Chelsea? The Fulham player in question is Steve Malbronk, Tony Blair's favourite player. Apparently, that's what he said. That's what he said. Generally, uh, did Steve Malbronk move from Fulham to arch rivals Chelsea for five point five million? Oh, again, I feel like you wouldn't ask me this one unless it was, but 
you can't have three all be right in a row, can I? <laughs> um, I'm going to say no. Let's go no. No deal. Correct again. Yeah, no deal. He didn't. I can't remember where he moved. You know he's still playing? Really? Yeah, he's like 41, but he plays in like this French second division. Okay. Mad. Fair enough. Great player. Very underrated. Yeah. Uh, number four. Um, so after Real Madrid, Steve McManaman uh, famously moved to Man City. Yep. But after that, did he move from Man City to Rotherham for £900,000? Hmm. Sounds really plausible, but I can't, I can't picture Steve McManaman at Rotherham. Um, I don't have any memory of it, but I'm going to say it's a deal. It just sounds like you live in that area of, of a world, of, of a country, you might end up at Rotherham at some point. <laughs> no deal. He did not go there at all. <laughs> all right. Steve yeah. McMalleman at Rotherham. Real Madrid, Man City, Rotherham. Yeah, but I just feel like, you know, you're from that anywhere past London, I feel like you, you probably end up at some <laughs> team at some point. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> oh, dear. So, so, so far, you've got three. You need to get this one to tie with me, and I'm pretty sure you will get this one. Uh, so, Peter Crouch. Yeah. Did he move from Portsmouth to Aston Villa for £5 million? Oh, he did. He did indeed. He certainly did. He certainly did. So, we both get four out of five, um, which is quite a romantic um, endeavour, I guess. But it's quite, <laughs> nice that we, uh, quite nice that we both get the same, I guess. Um, so, what I thought would be nice to do now will be good to do now uh, before we get on to our final quiz and uh, final part of the episode is to go through our ultimate 11 of the noughties uh, strictly in the Premier League because in future episodes no doubt um, we will kind of go through other players from Serie A and the Bundesliga and uh, you know all, all the other ones but for now let's go through our ultimate 11 from the Premier League specifically in the noughties um, so Harry do you want to just quickly go through your kind of like 1 to 11 and your kind of formation. Oh, do you know what? I've just realised I haven't actually picked a goalkeeper. You've <laughs> <laughs> um, not got a goalkeeper. But I have now. I've just, I'm just going to go random first sort of Premier League Portsmouth goalkeeper, Shaka Hislop. Nice. I'm glad you didn't say David James. <laughs> oh, David James is the best Pompey goalkeeper of all time, most, most likely. But Shaka Hislop is that first goalkeeper I really sort of you know, remember, I suppose. And it's definitely in a Premier League era. Um, there's a few before that, but Shaka is the, the Premier League keeper for us. Uh, so then we'll start right back. I'm going to go for Patrice Evera. Um, you play left back? Or are you going to play oh, sorry. right back? Hang on. He does, he does play left back. <laughs> you can play him right back. You can play him right I back. I might be reading my, my sheet wrong here. Um, yeah, no, it is left back. <laughs> It is left back. He's on the left side of my page. Patrick's Everett, um, <laughs> striker. <laughs> um, yeah, so Patrice Everett left back because uh, it's just something about Patrice Everett in that Man United kit that I just, yeah, he just seems iconic to me. Um, obviously, Pompey fan, Sol Campbell in the centre, and I've put him alongside. Uh, John Terry, because he's just sort of iconic noughties. And then just to round out some more obscure, well, not so obscure, but random early Pompey 
players at right back. <laughs> I've got Gary O'Neill uh, because he was just like a hero to me growing up. Gary O'Neill, yeah. this sort of young, like, you know, he sort of kept, he didn't come through our academy, but we signed him very young and he sort of was considered to be homegrown player. Uh, my midfield is a bit more of a star-studded affair. So uh, I've got Ronaldo, of course. Um, gone for Steven Gerrard. Uh, just iconic. Gerrard! You know, Gerrard! You would have heard it in the uh, intro to this uh, podcast. And then I've also gone for Nico Crancher. Uh, Interesting. Just again, being a Pompey fan, I just idolised Crancher. And then I've sort of gone for like in the middle as well, but possibly sort of just behind the strikers, I've gone for Burkamp. Nice, nice. Uh, just magic, magical player. Uh, I had him round for dinner earlier and up front we've got Thierry Henry very nice and partner in Thierry Henry <laughs> uh, maybe the most entertaining player I've ever seen Lamana Lawalawa so good they named him twice so again, once again so good they named him twice uh, the real reason though isn't really for anything to do with his football skills but for his backflips I mean in the um because yeah, famously he's kind of known for his backflips and his somersaults. Didn't he? I remember Harry Redknapp telling a story when um, I remember seeing it on Match of the Day as well. He done a backflip. He like nearly broke his ankle because of his <laughs> because because of his celebration. He was out for two weeks. He came back after two weeks, scored, and then done a flip and like damaged his ankle again. Yeah, there's there's a a few times where he, where he injured himself doing his backflips. What I think again makes it just all about much better than he did them. So, I think the first one, uh, he injured his foot and I believe it was against Arsenal. It scored against Arsenal, obviously, then being... This... <laughs> 100%. I do. I've got, a, I've got an affection for Lyle Wild, mainly because he's got such a cool name. And, it's for, and a great it song. And a great song. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. Okay, let's go. I've gone for um, uh, Petr Cech in goal. Uh, I think as part of that Chelsea side when Mourinho came in, I think people forget how solid he was at the back. And that defence in itself was uh, pretty sensational for them to retain the trophy uh, two years in a row as well. I think people forget. And then obviously have that horrific injury. Um, was, again, younger viewers might not know, but obviously uh, they'll know who Petacek is, hopefully, and he wears the skull cap. Um, but in that same game, Carlo Cudicini was also injured. He was knocked out cold and concussed. And he couldn't wake up. <laughs> so uh, on came first choice keeper, Hilario, which meant two substitutes have been wasted on goalkeepers. Um, what a, what an interesting game that was. Uh, right back, mainly because I couldn't really think of many good right backs, but I've gone for Gary Neville. Um, by no means terrible right back, but I probably don't think he was probably one of the best. But he was very good at going up the channels and getting a good cross in. And he, he was so hardworking as well. I think um, that speaks volumes. Um, who else uh, centre-backs I've gone like Heath John Terry leader captain first uh, title winning team with Chelsea put his heart put his uh, heart on the line and uh, said in Amanda Village he'll be partnering him so imagine them two at centre-back that's just like you, you, you're not the goalkeeper Petr doesn't have to worry does he um, left-back interesting I nearly went forever but I decided to go for the 
uh, one of the most decorated English footballers of all time, which is Ashley Cole. He's won more FA Cups than I've had hot dinners. Um, again, a bit controversial with his kind of personal life and uh, floating between Chelsea and, and Arsenal. Um, he was part of the Invincible team. Yeah, people forget that. Um, but he was so consistent, and that's particularly in the Champions League as well. Right? Well, I know without a doubt we'll have a Champions League special at some point. Um, but yeah, iconic. I've gone like you with Ronaldo. Just haven't seen a player like him in the Premier League. I saw him, I saw him score against Tottenham. Um, yeah, it's not it's still, he's just Cristiano Ronaldo. You can't really say too much that hasn't been said already about him. In the middle, I was going for Paul Skulls. There is nothing more poetic in life than seeing him on the edge of the box as a corner gets deflected <laughs> and he volleys it in. Um, and let alone his actual his, his, uh, his, his football intelligence and his vision is just my favourite. One of my favourite moments for the noughties uh, was Manchester United against Barcelona in the 2008 Champions League semi-final. The Barcelona team had Henri, had Messi, um, Samuel Eto'o, uh, Javi, Iniesta, uh, Puyol, uh, Victor Valdez, like that team was probably the most successful team of the noughties. And they were put to bed by a standard Paul Scholes half volley that went in the top corner. And I was at work when that went in. And I was like looking into the manager's office where I was kind of sort of laptop with that goal going in. I screamed so loud, I screwed up my voice box. Um, so yeah, Paul Scholes gets in there. Next to Paul Scholes, kind of a similar player, but Frank Lampard. I think it doesn't get spoken about. You know, he's Chelsea's top goal scorer ever, and he's a midfielder. I think that's uh, you know just when when does that ever happen? It doesn't. And yeah, again, he would just pop up in situations, score fantastic goals from us on the box, delicious passing once again. On the left, um, again, similar reasons to why Robbie Keane was invited round for dinner earlier on. He done wonders for my fantasy team at school. Morton Gamps Pedersen, uh, Blackburn oh, Rovers. He uh, got more assists than anyone else. I think he frequently got top of the assist charts. Uh, and the two strikers are Thierry Henry, much like yourself. Um, just changed football, changed the Premier League just by his skill his flair and the audacity to do the things he does. He's one of these few players, a bit like Zlatan Ibrahimovic in many ways. He can just score such a variety of goals. He was that talented um, and he you know, was unlucky not to do much more with the international French squad. And finally, Wayne Rooney. Um, it was a toss-up between, between him and Van Nistelrooy. Uh, but Wayne Rooney, just he peaks when he was like in his early 20s. And that's why the end of his career kind of petered off so much. I think similar to Alexis Sanchez. That he was so, he put so much energy into everything he'd done. But by the time he hit 30, he, um, Sanchez and both Rooney kind of just both kind of destroyed themselves um, because they were so good, you know, and they just put everything into everything they've done. Again, Wayne Rooney, again, I think he's probably the most naturally talented English player there's ever been in terms of could do anything with a ball. And he could score from all sorts of different overhead kicks, volleys. Um, you know, individual solo goals, just absolutely anything he wanted to do, he could do. Um, yeah, and that's my that's my eleven. Here he comes. Oh, it's two, and it's absolutely magnificent. And Cristiano Ronaldo has pretty much won this game on his own inside the first 13 minutes. 
Okay, let's move on to our final round before we end things up for the first episode. Um, this is just the lineup. I think that's the only name we can really call it. So we've got to guess the lineup from a prominent match. Obviously, Harry being a Portsmouth fan, me being a Manchester United fan. I've chosen a prominent game from Portsmouth's history. Harry has to guess the starting 11. If he names one of the substitutes, he gets to go again. And we're going to put them on a time limit as well, otherwise we're going to be here all day. Um, I reckon three minutes. You, you want to get 11 of them in three minutes. And if you name the subs that came on as well, I'll be very impressed. Um, so you can play along at home as well if you're listening. Um, so I'm going to go with you first, Harry. I'm going to name the team. I'm not going to name the team. I'm going to name the game. And you've got to <laughs> tell me the uh, Portsmouth players involved. And we'll be doing this every week to kind of end the show as well. Um depending on what topic that our podcast is on. This one's just a general one, it being episode one, but you know, next week we might do transfers and uh, could be another team there. So the game in question is Portsmouth versus Cardiff at the 2008 FA Cup final. No cheating, <laughs> no looking at the internet, no looking around the room. Can you... You mentioned this earlier, it's the most like, kind of important day in your history and in Portsmouth. Yeah, this is so why I'm going to be embarrassed, isn't it? The starting lineup. All right. Your so- time starts... Hold on, get my stopwatch out. You've got three minutes from now. Okay, so start with David James. Yes. In goal. Sol Campbell. Yes. Uh, Sylvain Distan. Yes. All right, I'm going to come back to the other defenders right now. Uh, go Carney up front. Certainly was. Harry Redden probably only had one up front, didn't he? Um, all right, so we've got Nico Crankshire. We do. All right, I thought you were telling me he wasn't then. I was like, what? Glenn Johnson at right back. Yes. So at left back, we must have... I thought this left back was a midfielder, to be fair. Is it Bell Hadge? No. No, okay. I'm going to come back for that. Okay. Um, Diop, rest in peace. Was a substitute that came on. Oh, okay, okay. Diop is a sub, okay. Uh... (laughs) How do I not know this? Um... I'm disappointed. I I reckon I would have got more than you. Oh, Peter Crouch playing at this point. No. no, we, men- okay. we mentioned one of this player earlier for getting uh, elbowed by a certain Ben Function. Oh, Mendes was there at this point, was he? There and okay. playing. Pedro Mendes um, in the centre then. Um, got half your time. The son of Diara. The son of Diara was there. Yeah, okay. Son of Diara. Uh, so we're looking for a right midfielder. You've got, two, you've got two more midfielders and one more defender. John Utaka. You pulled it out of the bag. I don't know how you got that. Right. He was more um, of a striker, but he was played to left wing in this game. Yeah. Less than and a then, So one more midfielder and one and, and, and a left back. Is it Matty Taylor at left back? It's past no. that point, isn't it? Yeah. Um he said it was midfielder, you thought. Well, it is might, might be just my shit Portsmouth knowledge, but Who's the other midfielder? Um, Crenshaw, Diara, Mendes, Utaka. The other midfielder, I think he played for 
Inter Milan and Real Madrid? Oh. Sonny Montari. Yes. Of course, of course it was. Got one more player to get, and it is the left bank. Johnson, Distant, Campbell, and... 15 seconds. I just can't think he was left back in that four. It's the famous defence we had. Five, four, three. I'm just not going to get it now. One. Three minutes are time, time, time is up. Um, Done pretty well. You got 10 out of the 11 of them with a little bit of help from me. I'm not sure if he is a left back, but uh, the other defender and the only player you did not get was Herman Horizon. Oh, of course, it's the Herman. Of course, it is. <laughs> oh my God, it's David James's best friend, isn't it? Is it the most relegated player of all time? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, you also oh, named Papa Dupri, Papa Bupadio, rest in peace. Um, could you name the other two players that came on for a bit of a bonus? Uh... I don't think I can, no. Yeah, Milan Barros. Okay, yeah. And uh, David Newsom cool. came on in the FA Cup final as well. Oh, okay. So, David yeah. Newsom. Barros was shortly with us and Nugent was... He was Nugent. David Nugent. The <laughs> only, one, of the, one of only three ever players to get one England cap and one England goal. Yes. And I have it on good authority um, <laughs> that in his home, he has a picture of him <laughs> Tapping that goal in from what obviously was meant to be Jermaine Defoe's goal, and he runs out and taps it in. Oh, like he has a, it framed and in his house. Oh no, David Hitchin. <laughs> Love Jermaine Defoe, one of my favourite players of all time. Yeah, as a Pompey great player. Fan, I'm not so sure. <laughs> you reckon? Uh, well, people might not remember the 2008 FA Cup final. It was a huge, huge day for Portsmouth and. Um, Obviously, surprised they got to the final. What's probably even more surprising is that they were playing Cardiff in the final. Yeah. Um, sure. Do you know two prominent players who were playing for Cardiff that day? No idea. <laughs> don't remember. I, 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 would, I, I don't wouldn't remember have known. To be fair, I wouldn't have known this unless I looked it up. Um, one of their strikers was Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Yeah. No I idea. No idea. He played for, Ports, uh, for Cardiff, sorry. And. Uh, one other youngster who was on the bench and played in the final, who's now at Juventus, Aaron Ramsey. Oh wow! He must have been on loan, was he? No, he was at he was at Cardiff oh, before he went to okay. Arsenal, and then he was oh, on loan wow. at Arsenal. No, he didn't. Then he moved to Arsenal. Um, yeah, amazing. Didn't even know that. Anyway, you done pretty well. You got you got ten out of eleven there. I don't think I'll get any for whatever you've got lined up for me. So um, I'll let you. <laughs> Yeah, over to you. So then, Ollie, so for you, I've decided to go with 2001 friendly England first Germany, famous England five, Germany one, when we all thought we'd become the best team in the world all of a sudden. Can you mm. name the starting 11? No. Um, <laughs> over. Yeah. Well, I know one of the players because he's mentioned in the intro of our, of our podcast. But uh, you can't be down. Okay, ready. So we we'll go from we we'll go three minutes uh, from. Let's do it for the yeah. We'll do it from now. Um, Emil Heskey. 
Yes. Did he come on as a sub? But he, I don't know if he's in starting line. Michael Owen? Uh, he started, yeah. Michael Owen? Yeah. Uh, I think in goal, must be in David Seaman. Yeah. Left back, I have no idea. I, I think it was probably too early for Ashley Cole. Um, Ashley Cole? Yeah, yeah. Really? Uh, right back, must be Gary Neville. Yeah. Centre back. Um, oh, Centre back. Rio Ferdinand? Yes. Really? Wow. Um, it can't be. Can't be John Terry. Who the fuck's ever centre back? Um, I'm going to say John Terry. It's not John Terry. No, uh, Tony Adams. It's not no. Tony Adams. Is it an Arsenal player? Yes. Uh, Saul Campbell. Hey, Saul Campbell. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, left wing. I think Skulls might be playing on the left, left wing. Skulls is playing, but he's not playing left wing. Okay, Skulls is playing there. Um, Stephen Manaman. No. No, shit. Uh, Beckham. Yes. Who else is in the midfield? Gerard. Yes. Um, left wing. Who the fuck's on the left wing if it wasn't McManaman? Who the fuck was it? <laughs> That's the one you're not going to get. Is that the only player I've got left? I've done uh, two strikers. Did you do both strikers? Yeah, uh, Owen and Heskey, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, it's the only one you got left. Left wing. How long have you got? You're not going to get it. You've literally you're you're in your last minute. Jamie Redknapp. Um, it's not Jamie Redknapp. Uh, uh, let me find out where. What I'll tell you what teams he, he's played for. <laughs> Throughout his career, he's played for Hot, Tottenham Hotspurs, Middlesbrough, Everton, Liverpool, Leeds. Nottingham Forest and Hull City. Probably At the time, like, he would have been a Liverpool player. Um, fucking... It's going to be sort of random, isn't it? Uh, he only Liverpool. made 23 caps for England. It's not too bad. Um, you're never, you're never going to get it. Your time is running uh, away right now. About. England, Everton. 10. Oh, no. <laughs> No. Oh, it's going to be angry because I'm going to fucking know it as well. It's going to be Eight, someone with Joe Cole. Seven. No. Six. Five. Oh, no. What's his name? What's <laughs> his bloody Three. name? He played for Everton and Liverpool. Yeah. He went from Everton to Liverpool. Jesus. Two. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Phillips. No. No. One. All right. Do you want to know? Put me out my misery. Nicholas Barmby or Bram Bam. Oh, yeah. mate, no, Nicky Barmby. I mean, it's the one no one would get. No one's guessing, unfortunately. No one's guessing. How did he get 23 appearances for England? That's mad. That's too many. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's one of only nine players to have scored Premier League goals for six different teams, apparently. Mm. <laughs> somewhat, somewhat impressive Nicky Barmby yeah you're right I never would have got that never knew he played for right. Liverpool never knew he played for Everton that was an well we both got 10 out of 11 and we both got 4 out of 5 in the uh, transfer game we played earlier so it's, uh, it's almost like we planned it yeah almost wink no we, we didn't we didn't at all honestly <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to believe us now um, but yeah fantastic um, 
that draws the first ever episode of Team Our Lives to, to a natural conclusion. Uh, please stick around. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, whatever it is, subscribe to the channel, like it, put five stars, maybe write a nice review and uh, put in the comments something for us to do in the future. And um, we'll be back next time with more Naughties nostalgia. Uh, if you've got Instagram, go on to awesomes11.football uh, and uh, yeah, like that, follow us and we'll put some more news on there and some games you can get in. But um, both with and nope. hopefully you've enjoyed it and you'll join us again next time. But until then, sayonara. Team. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.